Well, good morning, folks. Uh, today's April 20th, Holy Saturday, the day before Easter. We had a tremendous storm last night here in the mountainside of New Jersey. And uh, I'm on the top of the mountain, so I kind of like hear it a lot. And uh, it really woke me up. So this morning I was inspired to come and uh, do my next podcast. I could hear the birds tweeting in the background as uh, my room backs up to the watch on reservation and uh, it's a lovely morning though a little cloudy a little overcast but it's a perfect day to sit inside and record something so here we go again so this is uh, chapter three of all the diets under the sun by Guillermo Perez available on amazon.com okay it is a self-published book it's a book about my struggles with dieting and also with life in general so it's got a, a double fold, a two stories in one type thing, which uh, I hope you like. So here we go. Chapter three, growing up. As I mentioned before, I was never an athlete. Riding bicycles was my primary form of exercise. I used to have a newspaper route before high school. I rode my bicycle through every kind of weather to get the newspaper to the subscribers. I felt like a mailman. Rain, sleet, or snow would not stop this newspaper boy. Maybe my next book will be The Adventures of a Newspaper Delivery Boy. Of course, it would be a really short book because there really isn't that much to tell. Delivering newspapers was how I earned my spending money when I was young. Whenever I was paid, I used to buy comic books and chocolate shake at the local Friendly's restaurant with my best friend, Robert. They were simple times then. When I look back, I think I didn't realize how wonderful life was then. If there was any time in my youth I would like to revisit, this is it. I recall a lot of peace and tranquility. Of course, our memories fade and the difficulties are forgotten. But the precious joys are always remembered. It's mysterious how God built us that way. I also worked for my grandfather at a printing company cleaning the machines in the summers. I was not averse to work and have actually enjoyed almost every job I've had in my life. Except for one. That story will come later. Later in high school, my older brother got me a job at a local restaurant called H.A. Winston. It was a very nice hamburger restaurant with over a dozen different combinations of toppings. The restaurant started in Philadelphia and branched into New Jersey. It was a happening place for young adults, and the food was enjoyed by everyone. I worked all types of jobs there. I was a dishwasher, prep cook, pantry cook, and busboy. I worked my ass off there and really enjoyed it. I started as a dishwasher. The second night, after one night of training, they left me on my own. It was a Tuesday night, which was the slowest night of the week. Typically, I should have been out of the place by midnight but it took me forever since I was inexperienced. They waited for me to finish, and we didn't leave until two in the morning. When I showed up for work the next day, the manager was shocked. He thought I would quit after that ordeal, but it had become a challenge for me. I became so good at it after a few weeks that on nights when I was working, they would let the other guys go home to save the restaurant money. To many, it may seem no big deal. But I firmly believe that no matter what the job, a person should always do their best and be proud of a job well done. It goes a long way to making one's life a happy experience. Not all people have that work ethic. 
I recall getting a few friends of mine jobs as busboys six months later. By that time, I had already moved through the ranks quickly, and I was the supervisor. I sent them down to clean up a broken jar of cherry peppers in the basement. I was still up top clearing tables with someone else. The rush was on, and I was working at full speed. And as time went on, I began wondering what was taking them so much time. Finally, I went looking for them downstairs and found them chatting and smoking. I was surprised at their laid-back attitude. I asked what they were doing down there while I was busy as hell. But all they said was, what's the big deal? We get paid by the hour. I responded, you get paid to work by the hour, not to smoke. It goes without saying that they did not last long. Working at the restaurant was active physical work. I was on my feet moving all the time, which is something I wish I could do now. I was really enjoying myself. After finishing high school, I began to take night courses at the community college without any real goal in mind. I started thinking of starting my own restaurant once I got more knowledgeable about the business, but that was not to be as my dad had other plans for me. It was 1980 and the world of the financial markets was going crazy. We just got past the Iranian hostage crisis, gold and silver prices had hit new highs, and the value of the U.S. dollar against all other currencies was rising on a daily basis. When then-President Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard in 1972, the new fiat currency model became a boom for trading, especially against other currencies. This opened a world of opportunities, as it was one of the rare markets that was not controlled by old-world money and the big banks yet. The old money still owned everything, but it would not be until the end of the late 1980s that they started demanding Harvard-like degrees as a way to keep the common people out and make sure the path was open for their extended families, if you get my drift. Anyway, this meant my dad decided I was to leave the restaurant business and work in the financial markets. Of course, with no college degree yet, I had to start at the bottom, literally, in the vault of a foreign exchange company. I remember going for the interview, getting the job, and celebrating that weekend. I went with friends to Philadelphia and hit the clubs. I sprained my ankle when I missed the curb while walking down South Street. I was only 18 years old and I thought I was invincible. I went dancing in that condition late into the night. The next morning, my ankle had blown up to the size of a football and my dad rushed me to the doctor who put my leg in a brace. I was not allowed to walk for another two weeks. I was supposed to start work that Monday. Luckily, my dad had enough pull that they didn't give me a hard time. This job was a completely different world. I still remember many of the folks I work with. Joe Guido, Tony Montemuro, Vincent Inzarello. I think you get the idea. Many were from Brooklyn, and I was a small-town kid from Jersey. All they did was talk about sports. I liked sports, but I didn't really follow them. I had to learn quickly to fit in. Every morning on the way to work, I bought the newspaper and read the sports section cover to cover during the commute. By the time I got into the office, I was sufficiently versed to carry a conversation. I soon became part of the team. The fun part of the job was working with all the currencies, the artwork, which far exceeded the drab currencies of our current era, always told a story. We had an expert on staff, an older man who survived the Holocaust. He helped train people in processing, but spent most of his time at the retail counter. His name was Irving Lieber. He taught me everything I needed to look for to validate all the currencies, 
from the differences in the paper to the hidden watermarks. I'd become, in a sense, his apprentice. He took time with me, and we became quite close. I have to admit, I loved my job and my teacher at this point. This job was not a sit-down desk job. We stood at counters and processed the incoming and outgoing currencies. I was on my feet all the time. We were so busy that we often had 12-hour days, sometimes starting at 7 a.m. and leaving for home at 10 p.m. It was exciting and kept me quite active. I recall buying clothes at that time. My shirt size was 14 and a half inches and my waist was 30. So I was still a small guy. One of my fondest memories was working in the processing department when a shipment of 10 million French francs came in from the Royal Bank of Canada. I opened the bag and began processing the currency made up of 500 and 100 franc notes. I was counting a bundle of bills by hand before running it through the bill counting machine. When I realized the paper felt funny, I grabbed a few notes, held them up to the light, and noticed the watermark was all wrong. I told my boss, Joe Guido, and he examined them and agreed. They were counterfeit. I can remember like yesterday, Joe picking up the phone and calling the trading department to tell them I had instantly become a hero. Irving was not at work that day, as I recall. When he came in the next morning, I was so excited to tell him what happened. He gave me a big hug and a world word of congratulations that meant the entire world to me. I lost contact with Irving after I left that company. Of course, our difference in age had a lot to do with it, but I still wonder about how he passed and where he is buried. I would even love to meet one of his descendants just to tell them he was a great man and I loved him dearly. Well, that's the end of chapter three. I hope you enjoyed it. What can I add to that? I think I could let you know that Irving was an amazing man. He, uh, he just was such a good man with people. It was unbelievable. I, I really enjoyed being with him. I miss him almost like if he was my grandfather. I love that man. Well, this I dedicate to Irving Lieber.